We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Happy Monday, Packer fans! Welcome back to the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. It is another victory Monday. I have to tell you, they do not get old. And this one certainly seems just a tad bit sweeter. Green Bay clinches the number one overall seed in the NFC. They clinch a first round bye. They clinch home field advantage at Lambeau Field throughout the playoffs. And just the cherry on top, they eliminate the Minnesota Vikings from playoff contention as well. It didn't seem that long ago that Minnesota Viking fans were just a tad too excited when the Vikings beat the Packers in Minnesota. And it seemed like for a second, maybe Minnesota was going to get in that NFC North race. And then wouldn't you know it, Minnesota basically does absolutely nothing ever since. And Green Bay does nothing but win ever since. And the rest is history. So Green Bay takes care of the Minnesota Vikings, both in this game and for the season, eliminating them from the playoffs with a 37-10 victory. We'll get into all the positives in just a, uh, in just a moment, but you know it started off a little bit shaky, right? It was 3-0 and Green Bay had three trips to the red zone uh, pretty early in the game and they only came away with six points in those, th- in those three red zone trips. And anytime that that happens, anytime where, you know, you're the team that's favored in the game and you have the opportunity to get, you know, pretty big point production, like if you're getting inside the 23 times in your first four drives and you're the Green Bay Packers, I mean, man, seven points should be, you know, uh, even at that, right? You're hoping to score a touchdown at least on one of those trips inside the 20. You know, even if you do nothing uh, and just kick field goals, you're hoping at best or at worst to get nine points, right? So, the fact that they end up with six points on three trips inside the 20 is massively disappointing. And you're wondering, did did Green Bay potentially let the Vikings hang around this game and maybe be able to make it a game at some point? But that was never going to be in the cards. And even though it was a little bit shaky, uh, they had another sort of slow start, only a 3-0 lead after one, had some missed opportunities in the red zone, including a drop by Josiah DeGuara. This was never in question. And give a ton of credit to the Packers defense. More on that in just a second. But you could just see 
throughout the course of this game that Minnesota never had a chance. This game basically ended when Kirk Cousins was announced out with COVID early in the week. And maybe Green Bay would have taken care of Minnesota regardless. It's it's tough to say. And certainly how Minnesota played at times in this game, that probably uh, would be the case. However, when, when Cousins goes out and, and Mannion is named the starter, that's it. Like Minnesota just didn't have enough on offense to hang with Aaron Rodgers. And it has to be demoralizing for a team to go into a game, and this is no disrespect to Sean Manning. He's a NFL quarterback, and you know I'm sure he did everything in his power to get ready for this game and try to give Minnesota Vikings a chance to win. But when you're going into a game at Lambeau Field with your playoff lives on the line, and you're going with Sean Mannion against Aaron Rodgers, the reigning MVP of the league, potentially the future MVP or current MVP of the league, uh, it's it makes it insanely tough, and you have to be perfect in every other aspect. And certainly, Minnesota was not in this game. I had talked about yesterday on the pregame show that I thought Green Bay had the opportunity to take a you know a soul stealing, soul crushing, or I guess give a soul stealing, soul crushing defeat to the Minnesota Vikings. I thought they did that. And I know there were opportunities to probably make this even a bigger margin of victory. I mean, this could have easily been like a 49 to nothing sort of victory, Uh, but 37 to 10 in these sort of temperatures where you're not really expecting things to be perfect. You know, there's going to be some deficiencies just with, you know, and sloppiness with a game like that. I thought overall, 37 to 10 victory. And even Minnesota's points were a bit fluky. uh, And I'll get to that in a second as well. Uh, I thought overall Green Bay played very well. A couple things I'm sure they'd love to clean up, including that red zone offense early in the game, including sort of getting off to another slow start. Couples, you know, poor punt here or there, but overall a very impressive performance from Green Bay, regardless of who it was against. And I know as we start jumping into the defense here, yeah, any cynic is going to be able to say, well, yeah, but it was Sean Mannion and the Vikings offense and no Adam Thielen and, and whatever, right? There have been Minnesota Viking teams that have come into Green Bay with not much more than Delvin Cook or Adrian Peterson and have been able to hand the ball off and consistently have success. And you just go back to last week against the Cleveland Browns, right? Here's one thing I can say about Sean Mannion. He didn't throw Green Bay four interceptions, right? Like, you know, if if uh, Baker doesn't throw four interceptions last week, that's a totally different game. And you know, Baker, it's not like Baker just like lit up the, you know, the, the passing charts with his, his performance outside of those four picks. He had a fine game outside of that, but nothing spectacular. Like, and it was Nick Chubb in the Browns rushing attack and, and just basically Nick Chubb that gave the Browns a real legitimate chance to win that game along with the Browns defense. It's not completely out of the realm of possibility to think that Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson, along with a good defensive effort from the Vikings, could have at least been in this game. Maybe they couldn't win it, but certainly at least in this game. And Green Bay gave them no opportunity, no hope, no nothing. And that deserves credit. And yes, the defense had the bonus of not having to go against Kirk Cousins or Adam Thielen. And yes, that unequivocally helped the Packers through this game. But when you look at Delvin Cook, and especially coming off that performance against Nick Chubb and the Browns, Delvin Cook ran the ball nine times for 13 yards. He had three receptions for zero yards. He touched the ball 12 times for a total, a total of 13 yards and a long of six. 
a complete night and day difference from what the Packers did against the run game and Nick Chubb a week ago against Cleveland. They completely did a 180 and completely shut down Dalvin Cook. And I've sort of been a little bit you know, hard on the Packers defense these past couple weeks because, you know, against the Ravens, it was very clear. You have to stop Mark Andrews and you have to stop Tyler Huntley from scrambling around and running around. And they really couldn't do either for the entirety of that game. And then against Cleveland, you have to stop Nick Chubb. You have to stop Nick Chubb. And they couldn't stop Nick Chubb through pretty much the entirety of that game. So now coming into this game, you have to stop Delvin Cook. You have to stop Justin Jefferson. Well, they did. Delvin Cook, 12 touches, 13 yards. Justin Jefferson, six catches, only 58 yards on 11 targets with a long of only 16. Cook's long was six. That is a very impressive performance on defense. I don't care who is that quarterback. That is an NFL thrower. I don't care if it is the 90th best NFL thrower in the league or the, you know, whatever, wherever you want to rank him, it's still an NFL thrower and a legit offense with legit weapons. And they could do absolutely nothing against this Packers defense. And I thought the Packers defense never let up. Yes, there was the the field goal before halftime. Yes, there was the touchdown uh, on the one drive right before the end of the third quarter. But you look at that field goal, that's a 50-yard field goal. I didn't think, I honestly didn't think that that was going to be makeable in those temperatures with the way that the the kicks were going in pregame. I didn't think that that was a a very likely kick and kudos to the Vikings and their kicker for making that because a 50-yarder in those temperatures at Lambeau is an impressive kick. I know there have been some crazy kicks this year. That is as impressive as a field goal as you will see all year. If if the Vikings kicker doesn't make a 50-plus yarder in Lambeau Field in those temperatures, that's three more points off the board. So you you just tip your cap in that scenario. And then that touchdown drive was set up by one of the flukiest plays ever, where Tyler Conklin gets completely laid out over the middle by Adrian Amos, and the ball goes flying into the air, caught, you know, uh, you know, I don't even know how you want to call it, but um, caught shoestrings, right? And Bradbury, the center, catches it and rumbles 20-some yards, which kudos, Vikings. That was the coolest play that I will ever give you credit for. Yeah, the Stefan Diggs playoff win, cool, whatever. You've had some other moments, but that was that was the one fun play. If you're a Packer fan, like you can enjoy that play for you know Garrett Bradbury. And somebody on Twitter posted, I should have looked up their handle, I apologize, but uh, somebody posted on Twitter so perfectly as I was posting about that play. They responded back and said, John Madden would have loved that play. And I know that, you know, for those of you who are in the stands, I don't know if they did it on TV or not, but um, there was a tribute prior to the game for John Madden, a moment of silence, which deservedly so, an absolute legend of the game. Uh, but that was a sort of in-game tribute because you can hear John Madden call that play, right? From the boom over the middle when Adrian Amos makes the hit on Tyler Conklin uh, and hopefully Conklin's okay. Um, obviously that was a really tough hit, but to a offensive lineman and you know he's going to be circling all around Garrett Bradbury and how he caught it uh, and, and how he rumbled down the field and just all of it, right? That is that is a John Madden play through and through and through. And it was it was sort of a perfect moment, even though it led to a Vikings touchdown. Green Bay was it had the game in hand at that point. It's one of those plays where you could just laugh at and say, why the heck not? And uh, sort of a pseudo perfect John Madden moment uh, following his passing. So rest in peace, John Madden. Uh, kudos on an amazing life. And uh, you'll certainly be missed, but not forgotten. And anytime we see a play like that, I can guarantee you a lot of us are going to be thinking exactly that, that it would be great to hear a John Madden call on that play. 
All right, moving forward, speaking of the defense, a couple players that I wanted to discuss really quick. I want to start with Preston Smith because I thought he had a really nice game. From the sack he had, a big tackle for the loss along the sidelines where they declined the holding penalty on the play because I think he tackled, you know, I don't know, I think it was Cook on the play, but uh, for like a three-yard loss, um, had a big pass breakup on a fourth down back in coverage. Like he did everything in this game from setting the edge, run defense, sack, pressures, pass defense on fourth down. Like he did it all. And I thought this was a great performance by Preston. And you go back to the run defense and we talked about it last week, how Green Bay did a horrible job of setting the edge against the Browns. And it's something that they needed to do a much better job of against Minnesota. And I thought Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary and company did a much better job of that. Now I know it's not like Delvin Cook had a ton of carries in this game. And it's not like you had the opportunity to get really worn down. But when given the opportunity, Green Bay did a better job, funneled everything more inside and Green Bay was able to shut everything down. So great job. And I thought Preston Smith led the way in that regards. I mentioned this on Twitter as well, but Adrian Amos is just, it's so easy to miss him if you're not watching closely, but he does so much stuff right from open field tackles that are just consistent and solid to being exactly where he's supposed to be, solid in coverage. He had a couple of really big hits in this game, sure tackler. It's not the sexiest. It's not always the flashiest plays. It's not what's going to get on Center. It's not any of that, but he is so sound and so consistent on the back end that his play allows so many other players to play at a higher level because they know that he's on the back end sort of patrolling and controlling and keeping everything else safe and helping to limit those big plays. Love watching Adrian Amos play football. Do not take him for granted. He could be somebody that gets washed out in this entire salary cap nightmare in the offseason. We're not going into that, but just enjoy Amos for the way he's playing right now because he's playing really good football and is deserving of credit for the season that he's having once again and has really had a really great three-year run in Green Bay so far. So we shall see if that continues, but he's more than deserving of praise. All right, before we jump over to some of the offensive side of the ball and things like that, I wanted to touch base a little bit on Matt LaFleur. First of all, this is the first team ever, as pointed out by Field Yates uh, prior after the game in the post game. Um, this is the first team ever to win 13 games, three straight seasons. It'd be one thing maybe if they needed that additional 17th game this year to do so. No, they did it in 16 games in three straight years. 13 and three through 16 games in three straight years. Absolutely incredible. And what's more incredible, and I guess it's maybe a little bit more easy to understand when you know they only have nine losses in three years in the regular season, but they have never in the Matt LaFleur era lost back-to-back games. And that certainly goes now for the regular season this year as well, because even if they lose against Detroit, they can't they can't lose two in a row in the regular season. And the only way, and we're not even going to speak this into the ether, the only way they could lose back-to-back games in the Matt LaFleur era in the first three years is if somehow they would lose to Detroit and then in the divisional round in that game. And like I said, we are not speaking that into existence, and I do not see that happening in any way, shape, or form anyway. So either way, regular season alone, we'll look at it from that viewpoint. Matt LaFleur in three straight regular seasons has not lost back-to-back games. Truly, truly incredible. And for a coach who had never been a head coach before, what he's been able to do in three seasons is nothing short of incredible. And the only thing that is, is eluding him at this point is the Super Bowl. And if he gets that, 
man, oh man, what a unreal performance through three seasons. And certainly there is a lot of story to be told left in this season and in Matt LaFleur's career, but it does not get much better than that start over three seasons, 13-3, and 13-3, and 13-3, and, and next week's a glorified preseason game. So we will see what happens there, but just an impressive, impressive start to the Matt LaFleur era. We talked a little bit about the red zone offense, six points and three opportunities to start the game. Um, And then for the remainder of the game, they get four touchdowns, one field goal and five attempts. So this has been one of their sort of bugaboos throughout the course of the season, having some issues with red zone offense. I love the fact that it improved throughout this game. And I think you would love to see this offense click a little bit earlier in the game and not have to ramp up over time. But you love to see that this offense picked it up as the game went along and really started to put point production on the board when they had those red zone opportunities. And I also think there was a little bit of a butterfly effect here as well. What I mean by that, if DeGuara catches the touchdown on the opening drive, it's 7-0. Then when Green Bay comes down again, instead of going for it on that fourth down, I think they probably just kick the field goal to make that a two-possession game, which means it's 10 to nothing. And then when they get there again, they probably take the field goal again, and it's 13 to nothing. And they get 13 points on those three drives rather than just six, which is what they ended up getting. So I think a little bit of that, and if you look at it that way too, right? Like either way, they should have had more points if DeGuara just hangs on to the football. It's not like they were completely just like they couldn't solve Minnesota's defense, right? A drop and a failed fourth down conversion uh, are really what, you know, sort of sabotaged Green Bay's drives in the red zone. And had DeGuara caught that one pass, we're probably not even talking about this. So I thought overall the schemes were good. Maybe a couple of different plays you could have called here or there, uh, but the drop by DeGuara is what made it probably seem a bit worse. And then again, they they completely course corrected the remainder of the game and had four touchdowns in their final five attempts in the red zone. As far as the slow start, yeah, it was three to nothing lead after one quarter. You would have liked them to capitalize more on those red zone opportunities, but this has sort of been the story for Green Bay. And for whatever reason, it takes them a little bit more to get ramped up. They're not in a place where it's like the other team's taking a complete stranglehold on the game. They're still staying within themselves. The defense is able to keep them close and then the offense clicks and they take over and it's sort of game over from there. So they did a much better job of closing this game out and making it so that Minnesota never had the opportunity to come back, which I think is an improvement in this game. Would still like to maybe see them start a little bit stronger, but you know what? This formula right now is working and if it takes getting off to a little slower start so you can have a much better middle and finish of the game, so be it. Like I'd rather have them play great through quarters second through uh, second, third, and fourth, and then start strong and, and sort of fade off as the game goes along. So it's been working, and I'm not going to complain too much about it when they're 13 and three. But you know, we got to look at things that they can potentially still improve on, right? And I think getting off to a, a stronger start is certainly still one of those things, especially when they receive like they did in this game. All right, what else? Let's talk more about the offense. Not a ton of mistakes in this game, right? And that's what really is such a superpower for this Packers offense. And you look at the the three seasons under Matt LaFleur. And there's a little bit of everything here, right? I do think, and this might sound a little crazy, but I do think Mike McCarthy deserves a bit of credit for the culture that he instilled. This is a team that, you know, in the McCarthy era did not make a ton of errors, mistakes, turnovers, right? They they limited turnovers a ton and turnovers was such a huge focus of McCarthy in his era. Now I get every coach focuses on turnovers. That's not something, you know, strictly McCarthy-ish, right? But he definitely stressed it and preached it. And you could see over time from the time that McCarthy got here, 
up until pretty much the end, this was a team that focused on not turning the ball over. And inherently, Aaron Rodgers has you know learned a lot from that. And then he is the most turnover, you know, averse quarterback and or just player of all time. And his, I think his leadership on this team, the fact that he doesn't turn the ball over, I think elevates everyone else to make sure that they don't want to be the ones that are turning the ball over. And Green Bay just doesn't make those mistakes on offense. And when you're not turning the ball over and you're getting the opportunity in this game, at least, you know, I, they had a couple opportunities, specifically Chris Barnes almost had that pick, but um, overall it was more just getting stops on fourth downs or just stops and three and outs. Um, but you're going to be at such a huge advantage over the course of the season when you're not turning the ball over. That's something that they need to do a better job of in the playoffs. If you look in the playoffs, the past, you know, you know, going back to McCarthy and going back to the last couple of years under the floor, they still will have those moments where they're making those mistakes. So it's something in the playoffs that they need to do a better job of. But man, does it give them such a huge opportunity? And this was such another great example of that of just very few. Uh, turnover worthy plays or major mistakes in this game that Minnesota was able to to sort of latch onto or you know g- you know give them any opportunity for hope especially come the second half we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash blue wire. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't know what else there is left to say about Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams other than it's just pure art out on the football field. And some of those throws, and I, I tweeted this as well, I legitimately. I'm starting to feel bad for corners going up against Devonte Adams. A couple of those plays, it's just it's near perfect coverage, and Rodgers is putting it in the spot where only Adams can get it, and Adams is plucking it with such late hands that the corner has no tell that the ball is even coming their way. Like it's it's sleight of hand, it's magic, it's it's literally magic. Where both these this quarterback and this receiver are so in tuned and he, listen, if you get a chance, go back to to Aaron Rodgers post-game presser and listen to him and how he talked about a couple of those throws to Devante of how he knows that given those looks, especially in some of those, you know, plays down the field to Devante, where based on the Minnesota's looks, no quarterbacks throwing that ball. Like the corner knows like, all right, I got safety help or I'm like, I'm playing underneath. Like the, the, the quarterback's not throwing the ball here because there's no window for it. You just, you can't make that. And Rodgers used that against him. He said that. He's like, I use that against them. I use the fact that they know that I can't throw that ball against them to throw that ball when they're not expecting it. And then Adams comes back to the ball, plucks it with light hands. And before you know it, as you're thinking, all right, ball's not coming to my side. All of a sudden, Adams has got a 20, 30, whatever yard catch down the field. It's pure magicianry. I don't know if that's a word, but it's magic and it's amazing and it's art and it's beautiful 
And I don't know how many more games we're going to get with Rodgers and Adams. I hope it's a million, but it's a joy to watch. And I, some of those plays that are they're happening right in front of, of where the press box is. And, you know, you're, I'm in a press box full of people and I, the fans are no different, right? But like as a fan base, as a press core, uh, you know, with the, with the people that have been covering this team for a long time, this is this has not been a few decades devoid of talent, right? This has been Favre and Rogers and Driver and Nelson and Sharp and every other name that you want to put in there. And this connection between Adams and, and Rogers is so pure and so dynamic and so dangerous and so beautiful. I think that's the best word I want to use to describe it. It's so beautiful it, because it because it's smart. And it's physical, and it's unique, and it's it's everything all rolled into one. Randy Moss was insane, and this is not taking anything away from Randy Moss, but like you know, Culpepper or Brady to Moss was just Moss being bigger, faster, and you know, better leaper, and going up and going. And it was more than that, right? There's there's certainly plays where Moss shows off his great route running ability, but man, what, again, it's artistry. I, I could go on about it forever, but it's so fun to watch and I enjoy every second of it. And, and Devante and, and Rogers are just special and they're at a special level and it's, it's, it's special. It's magic. It's whatever else you want to call it. It's beautiful. I'm done talking about it, but it's a joy to watch. Speaking of a joy to watch, I think this is when you think of a, a tandem between Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, this is what you dream of, right? Thunder and lightning, you know, Jones getting what, maybe 12 touches for, you know, I think over a hundred some yards, whatever it ended up being, maybe it was 13 touches, but like some explosive runs, you don't need to put 25 touches on his body. Like just get, you know, get him the ball in space a couple times and let him work some magic. And then AJ Dillon, he's not going to get a carry over nine yards in this game, but he is going to absolutely bruise and bludgeon and bloody the opponent and every yard is going to matter and every every tackle is going to be felt by the Minnesota defenders in the cold weather like i i joked in my article for packer report today that like there's like fan fiction written about what fans want aj dillon to be in cold weather in green bay right like it's like you know juggernaut and x men just running through walls and stuff like it's 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 stuff of pure fantasy and fiction but this is this is what you dream of. This is what you're exactly wanting. Like it's nothing. It's nothing super sexy. Like that that finishing run for the touchdown. That last one was gorgeous, right? But like these are not forty yard scampers in the open field where you're making people miss. This is not Barry Sanders tiptoeing around people. This is smashing people in the face in the cold and eventually them bending to your will. And on that last touchdown run by Dylan. That's what happened. He just ran right through them, smashed some faces, and they didn't they didn't have the effort, energy, or care to, to try to take him down. That's beautiful. And it was so fun to watch. And this is again, Jones and Dylan, they both go over a thousand yards all purpose on the season, which is a pretty cool dynamic. But this is what you dream of. December football, Jones and Dylan, Thunder and Lightning. That's the tandem that people are want. That's the tag team. And it was it was really cool to see and really cool to watch. Another player, Alan Lazard, six catches, 72 yards and a touchdown, but like five massively contested catches. The the touchdown was 
it was awesome, right? Like he goes up, Rogers gives him a 50-50. He high points, it comes down with it, doesn't give the corner a chance, makes a contested catch. Another, you know, play where he took a big hit from Xavier Woods, another couple contest like nothing was easy for him, but he caught everything. He blocked well once again. Just a really solid performance. And Lazard is playing some of his best ball of the year. And you can just tell, you can easily tell that he's playing with a ton of confidence right now. Couple other news and notes. Uh, Kevin King played the dime role, so no Henry Black. It was Kevin King in his place. Thought that worked pretty well. It just gave Green Bay more coverage, and I think that's important. And eventually, hopefully, when Jair Alexander comes back, they're going to have to make some decisions there. I think you could see maybe Chandon Sullivan there instead of Kevin King. There's, I think there's a chance you could see, you know, Razul and Stokes still on the outside with Jire on the inside, and then maybe uh, Chandon at that spot. Maybe Kevin King stays in that spot. We'll see. But I think Green Bay is going to potentially have some options. Um, but that'll be really interesting, and hopefully we get to see what happens when Jire comes back and everyone still stays healthy. And then Brian Gudikins goes out and finds David Moore, brings him on the practice squad, active, activates him for game day, and watches him have the best punt return of the season. Maybe Green Bay found something there. I'd like to see it, you know, maybe over a couple games, but man, that was the best punt returning we've seen all season. And he certainly looked more comfortable, confident, and agile in the open field than anyone else Green Bay's put put back there all season. I'm not sure that they're going to be able to just, you know, activate him the rest of the year, put him on the active roster, but it's certainly something that they're going to have to discuss. And he certainly looks like a player that could help Green Bay through the remainder of this season. Uh, I talked yesterday about, you know, needing to win on the fringes if you're Minnesota, right? Like they were never going to win this game straight up. You had to steal little things here, here or there. And early in the game, you know, Minnesota was winning some field position stuff. You had the big drop by DeGuaro, which took four points off the board. Thought there was some opportunity early where Minnesota's winning some of those things, but a big one, Green Bay didn't have their first penalty until a minute 45 left in the game. And it was a five-yard penalty. Green Bay did a great job of not making those mistakes. They didn't have the turnovers. They, For the most part, they played pretty sound on special teams. When they gave Minnesota no opportunity to win on the fringes, Minnesota had 0% chance in this game. And that's exactly what we ended up seeing. And then maybe another huge thing, it's not best because winning the, you know, winning the conference and getting the number one seed and all of that is certainly the best, but right up there, as far as we know, no injuries in this game. I did see Lucas Patrick limping a little bit around, you know, towards the the end of the game, but it it seemed like he was fine and finished the game out. Even in in garbage time with Jordan Love back in there, they could have went with Jake Hansen or something and Patrick was still in there. So he seemed totally fine. Aaron Jones got banged up a little bit early, but he was fine. So it seems like Green Bay got out of that game. We'll see as the week goes on. Jair Alexander did go out on the COVID list prior to the game. Didn't really affect too much uh, from a you know, Packers logistics standpoint right now. Hopefully it's nothing long-term. Hopefully it's nothing that affects him. Hopefully he's feeling okay, uh, but, you know, would potentially keep him out some practices this week, but uh, with the new rules could be back certainly sooner rather than later. And hopefully he's able to practice with the team and get right back in the swing of things. Because again, it's going to be a very important player for Green Bay come playoff time. Packers-Lions this upcoming week, becomes a glorified exhibition game. Detroit's probably playing to lose to get the number one overall pick. And meanwhile, the Packers don't have really anything to play for. Now, it does seem, at least if you're taking post-game press conferences at their word, uh, it does seem like Rodgers and Adams definitely want to play. And it certainly seems like Matt LaFleur is leaning towards playing everyone, at least in some capacity, and not going two straight weeks without playing for those players. So uh, my guess is we see some of the excuse me, some of the starters early in the game. Um, and then a lot of Jordan Love and the backups, especially in the second half. But 
You never quite know. They could do a variety of different things. I could go back and forth on how I feel. Part of me is protect the players. Part of me is keep guys fresh and keep them in the swing of things. But either way, a huge win for Green Bay to not have to not have to do anything this week and uh, being able to kind of take it a little bit easy in this game and, and you know hopefully get out of that game injury free as well. Rodgers did mention post game that his toe is doing much better, so that is a big win as well uh, to the point where he might be able to practice on Thursday, which would be his first time doing so since injuring said toe. Last but not least, one quick note here from Razul Douglas in his post-game tweet. He said, God, thank you for making me a Packer. Man, I love it here. And man, do Green Bay Packer fans love having Razul Douglas on the team. Another solid performance. I thought for a second he was going to have another pick six. He came close on one, uh, but just a, a phenomenal player. And you can tell the fans have really taken to him. And now he has very much taken to this team and this city. And hopefully that means that Razul Douglas will be back a Green Bay Packer next year as well. That is going to do it for me today. Enjoy your victory Monday. We could be heading towards Jordan Love, Tim Boyle in some capacity next week, which is just the perfect way to end the season, at least the regular season, as Green Bay gets set for their playoff run in 2022. Thanks for joining me. I'll be right back here tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go! got an idea for a business the store of your dreams there's just one thing to figure out everything that's why shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online in person and everywhere else sell on social media source products with an app to get that first sale feeling it's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want so when you're ready to bring your idea to life power it up with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com listen 